Good morning, benders and non-benders alike, and welcome to the Republic City Dispatch, a radio program covering Nickelodeon's Legend of Korra series. This week, Book One Air continues with Chapter 9, Out of the Past. Friends of the Avatar take on the Equalist. Tarlock cages Korra. The story of Yakone finally revealed. Now, without further ado, three gentlemen incapable of the Avatar state, Matt, Dave, and Devendra. Hello, welcome back to Republic City Dispatch. Woo, another doozy of an episode. I've been thinking, I've realized, very few episodes of Korra uh, I wouldn't classify as doozies. Um, very very filled with excitement, action, information, more questions always. Um, some shipping. Yeah, def- always some shipping. Throw us some shipping. Why not? Pack it in there. Uh, I'm Matt Patches. As always, I'm joined by Devendra Hardawar. Hello, hello. And uh, speak for yourself, Dave. I, I have the Avatar State. Yo. <laughs> I knew there was one of us that was close. Ah, and, and the boy without the Avatar State, Dave with a seven. I'm so sad. Oh, you're like the Sokka of our group, but you are very brave, too. This yeah. one time with the boomerang. <laughs> It'll come back around. But uh, before we uh, get too in-depth with this week's episode, Out of the Past, Dave, why don't you uh, give us the summary? Yes, uh, so Tarlock bloodbends Korra into a metal top box in the basement of some sort of mountain cabin, uh, where she decides to meditate on the flashback message Aang has been trying to send her. So meanwhile, Tarlock goes back to Republic City and claims that Korra was taken by Equalists and fakes some evidence, which uh, gets Bifong to suit up, uh, go rogue, break out Team Avatar Generation 2 from prison, and team up with Tenzin to go after the Equalists to both free Korra and Bifong's metal benders. Uh, they free the metal benders, but it's too late to save their bending, and they realize that uh, Korra is not there. Uh, meanwhile, back in the mountain top box, uh, Korra learns the full story behind Yakone's trial, and Aang's taking his bending away and realizing that Tarlock's Yakone's son in some weird math. Uh, teams Avatar Generation 1 and 2 confront Tarlock, but Tarlock escapes only to find Amon and the Equalist waiting for him in his snow cabin. And Amon takes Tarlock's bending away, uh, kind of resists his blood bending, which is interesting. Uh, but the lieutenant underestimates Korra, and she manages to escape. Uh, meanwhile, in relationship mode, Bolin tells Asami <laughs> about Mako's kiss, and Mako is way too outwardly concerned when Naga brings an exhausted Korra back to Republic City, and then we get some weird face cradling. Cuddling, yeah, some gentleness. I, I love that um, Tarlock locks up Korra in his vacation home. <laughs> up in the mountains. I, th- I really appreciate that. <laughs> Putting it to good use. Um, why, don't, why don't we just kick off with things that we like about this episode? I, I'm interested, before we get into kind of the nitty-gritty of all the reveals here with the flashback stuff, I really enjoyed the um, some of the action that we saw with Team Avatar and, and Bayfong. And I thought of you, Devendra, especially with all the awesome Bayfongness going on oh, in this episode. So She's true Batman mode with the suit up and everything. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, um, I really dug the suit up, and uh, just the amount that it somehow also had weight, but it's like, I didn't know all of that had metal in it, so when that happened, I was like, oh, <laughs> because I was picturing, like, you know, she would very gingerly, like, put on a slip, and then maybe, you know, bend some stuff no, on no, her, this but is it's Bayfong, like, okay? yeah, <laughs> she goes from, like, undressed to ready to go in, like, seconds, just suit bending up, everything guys. around her. And yeah, that was that was amazing. Uh, I love her vision, um, and I like how Team Avatars, both of them, have sort of fused and become 
like a Hardy Boys mystery solving team <laughs> where they they all like complete each other in sort of pairings that you wouldn't expect because like if you would have asked me before you know who are going to be like the three that have to go after Korra I would have said you know Mako, Bolin and Asami but here it seems like Bolin and Asami you know are like that you stay here and watch these guys while uh, Mako, Tenzin, Baifong uh, head into the to deeper into the prison and I really like that trio um, that's the more I mean without a firebender uh, with a firebender that's the more recognizable uh, avatar trio in terms of combat to me. And it's interesting well, that... It makes sense. And she's not a bender either. So, like, she would be less useful to them deep yeah. within it. Yeah. But how does Bolin get, like, roped in and, like, that slightly... The, I think the only thing we see him <laughs> bend is he uh, bends the carts... Or he collapses the cart tunnel. Yeah, he has uh, a great line. Try and yeah. chi block that. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's also P-Shy. And Bolin gets his kind of relegated to, you know, weird lines and exposition this episode. And it's not something I disliked. Uh, the uh, fly or the zipper bending. Oh, like, that was that's great. hilarious. Yeah, that was great. Come on. <laughs> Every time one. they can use bending in a way that, like, I'm just not expecting in a casual manner, I love all those little nods. That's oh, yeah. more than, like, fan service will ever be. I love just building the world in little ways like that. Well, it's a great little moment, too, in that look on Bolin's face. Like, you didn't expect that to happen. And it's, like, maybe a two-second-long scene. But, man, it's good stuff. And I'm also warming up to last week's fart-bending joke. So yeah, all, all of these things are really working for me. Oh, you're warming up. I mean, I was into this week's Milo joke of it's six in the morning. This better be important when he picks up the <laughs> phone. Is brilliant. I don't know if you're going to get me on board for fart-bending. Oh. Well, you know, going back to what you said, Dave, just like how this team is working together. And I guess I, I talked about last week when we were seeing Team Avatar in working together and like the big chase scene and just seeing how the powers combined. This week, too, I felt the same way. I thought about um, the Avengers, you know, the big movie this summer mm -hmm. and like why that works so well is how here's a team of mismatched people with different kinds of powers, but how do they work together and how do they really show off that team aspect? Like, you can put a bunch of people in a room and have them fight bad guys and they can seem like individuals. But here in Avatar, and especially with, like, Tenzin in the mix and Beifong adding to Asami, Bolin, and Mako, it just feels like they're interwoven in a way that is surprising and it, it uh -huh. creates adrenaline. It creates an adrenaline rush. It's energizing. And um, just seeing how their power mix and how much fun they're having like pulling it all off <laughs> how much fun we're having yeah okay true <laughs> i guess it's supposed to be dangerous for them i mean i really like seeing tenzin do anything because we haven't seen combat airbending and so just watching him very calmly walk around he doesn't run anywhere really he just kind of floats around and then when he needs to releases like a huge blast of air awesomeness <laughs> um and then yeah i mean i kind of feel like Mako was more emotionally charged uh, throughout the episode, and he wasn't really as combat ready because it's something like okay, like Beifong, uh bending the track and the earth to like redirect this mm -hmm. like uh, cart was maybe the awesomest thing I've seen. I mean, it's it's really a compliment to the uh, directors of the animation that they could set up that situation where I feel like there's no way out and then the only way out is to do something ridiculously <laughs> awesome which i think is almost in contrast to my complaint with the show which i'm going to bring up now which is that these latter half episodes seem like uh too 
acts of exposition followed by one act of which is totally not true based on what we've just been discussing there's action throughout the team is like working together the whole time how can you say it's exposition heavy yeah i I feel like this episode maybe some of the others were a little more exposition heavy but this one had a good balance i thought jumping back and forth between team avatar and cora kind of locked up in the box was a good idea if we had if we had a reason to mislead everybody about the assault on the equalist camp like it, it's for me i understand the need to have the deception with tarlock until the end but like Fong was gonna go rescue her people anyway so i mean the team could have gone down and uh, fought the equalists it's just maybe they needed the Korra threat to get mako and bolin and tenzin yeah. on the line yeah yeah but i mean it's it's one of those things where it's like television plotting is frustrating to me when you have somebody withholding information for seemingly no infor- no reason. Yeah, but assume that the past, like, since the um, destruction of the pro-bending stadium has been in, like, the last two days of the show. You know what I mean? Like, it, it immediately was destroyed, and then they're immediately hitting the streets, and then she's been captured. Like, these last four episodes or so have been, in the timeline of the show, really quick. So it, it makes sense that things wouldn't just start happening immediately because it's taking its time within the timeline of the show. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's not taking its time. I think this is what the compression is. Like, I think if we saw f- a full-length chorus season, uh-huh. you know, each each one of these acts would be an episode. Mm-hmm. You know, there would be the let's go take on the Equalist, and there would be the Korra, you know, actually has conversations in her. I mean, it, it's interesting... The different way that we see, you know, exposition flashback here versus how we saw in the original series where, you know, Aang would have somebody narrate for him. You know, Roku would be like, let me tell you about growing up with the Fire Lord. And then we'd go (laughs) into it. Whereas this is very specifically, she has no way of talking to the past and the past has no way of directly talking to her. So it's interesting that she tells us that the reason that we suppose we're what we were supposed to get out of the flashback was that Tarlac was Yukon's son. Uh, I think there's a lot of stuff we could have gotten out of the flashback. I think there's, I think there's more than that, but we'll get there. Yeah. Yes. Um, but j- just to kind of wrap up the Team Avatar aspect of this episode, what did you think about the, um, you know, the little details they've thrown in about Asami and kind of like what is starting to unhinge her about being part of the group? Um, you know, we joke and say it's shipping. But I think it's interesting, based on what we've seen previously, with her decision to kind of, you know, electrocute her father and choose sides, and now she's going to be kind of slighted by Mako, who is showing feelings for Korra, who's obviously done that based on Bolin's admission. Um, I'm kind of curious where you see that going and how it fits into the larger scheme of this show, if, if, you know, we've judged Asami in the past for maybe becoming (laughs) evil. I don't think she's evil. I do think she's conflicted, and she may still, you know, be an adversary to Korra at some time down the line. Not as an evil person, but as someone who is tired of being kind of thrown to the side. Yeah, no, I I mean, what I always saw with Asami is that she could easily align herself with, like, equalist tendencies. There's a lot of reason to think she will, and uh, yeah, looking at everything happening now with, uh, with Korra, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, what I liked about this episode was that it all seemed pretty organic, right? Like, maybe she had suspicions before and she heard uh, what the one of the kids say, uh, Korra liked Mako before. She never heard that Mako kind of reciprocated. So that all came organically, you know, amidst all this. And Mako's, like, ignoring her because he does ju- 
generally care about Korra too, and he can't hide that. So it's a I hard. Love how that, mm-hmm. It's a hard thing to pull off in the episode. It's, yeah, you know, it's yeah. it's. At times, I even find myself saying, like, do I need to see this Asami love plotline thing? But it definitely has broader implications than Mm -hmm. it's not just shipping. It's not just a love triangle for the sake of having one because that creates emotional tension in in a bigger picture show like this. But um, I I think it's interesting, and I'm wondering how she'll kind of turn or be part of the group once Korra is back in the mix and we see where the group is going from here. I'm not exactly <laughs> sure. And, and it, it could, you know, it, it's it's going to be hard to pull off. It's going to be hard to not seem kind of shoehorned in, I think. Um, I mean, the best thing they did was give all this exposition and put it in the mouth of Bolin, who was great with it. You know, crazy talk is coming out of your mouth right now. Dug yeah, that, give that PJ Byrne any material and he'll he'll make it... It was a little awkward that he's like, I don't know, I got over it. It probably meant nothing. Uh, But I do agree that it's very, you know, true to his character. I'm interested to see, like, what Asami does. They could pick up next episode within, Mm -hmm. like, five minutes of the end of the first episode. And Asami could just be like, "Uh, what are you doing, boyfriend? Cradling this other girl and stroking her face (laughs) in the middle of the street. Um, uh, But, I, yeah, I think that patches you're onto something there that this it's sami is uh, there's a reason we didn't see her in the the teaser for the the finale two-parter oh boy. i don't know uh what that means but i think <laughs> that uh she might not be on uh quote-unquote team avatar by that time mm-hmm. and I, yeah. it's not once again it's not like an evil thing but yeah i don't think she's 100 percent on our side Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As as we know from the first series, love can make you switch sides uh, at any moment. Look at Zuko and May. Uh, after May spends the entire Avatar: The Last Airbender series kicking butt with Azula, suddenly she you know is turning on her at the drop of a hat because she's suddenly realizing I have feelings for Zuko, and I think Asami could be in the same boat if you know in a different kind of way, in a, a negative way towards Team Avatar, but. Um, I could see it going down that road because I really am trying to figure out what Asami is adding to this mix too, uh, and and I think that's that that conflict, that internal conflict mm-hmm. for her is yeah. going to be her conceit in the show. I think you're close to her being mm-hmm. the Zuko or the person who is fundamentally a good person, but a person who could be confused by the surface level things. Yeah, uh, and I think that that um, sort of character complexity is all I wanted from Asami to begin with. So I'm very happy that it's, <laughs> uh-huh. it's showing up and that it's kind of being... It's not at the forefront, because I also wouldn't like that. I don't want another Spirit of Competition episode. But, I, I mean, it's enough there that I could see it turning into something very interesting down the line. Discovering your dad is inciting revolution within your hometown. I mean, that'll screw you up. Um, why don't we? Why don't we move on to kind of the Korra aspect of this episode, which she indeed, me- she indeed did meditate on uh, on the flashbacks and that sort of thing in her time in the box, uh, which I also, I saw some people arguing that, like, hey, isn't she a metal bender? Like, why isn't she getting out of the box? She's not don't, a metal bender. Don't you think it's um, platinum? Like, even if she could metal bend? No, uh, I, I, I don't think it was <laughs> metal bending. Yeah, like, she's never shown that she could do it, and as far as I can tell, you have to be trained in it, so... She's kind of been too busy. The art of metal bending. Yeah, she's had some things on her. Like, the only metal benders now are the elite uh, training force that, uh, you know, Toph has trained and everything. Well, now they're, I mean, depending on how many those are, we don't really know. There might might now be, like, one left. 
mm-hmm. right? Because they all got they all got oh, right. uh, their their bending taken away. And we're I mean we're kind of under debate as how many metal benders. It appears that there's an elite task force within the police force, and there's also a police force. Um, uh-huh. Well, I guess another elite task force. What's up with Republic City and making a whole bunch of task forces? <laughs> I mean, everything's becoming like specialized and interesting. I, okay, I, well, while a we're task talking force about the... is like a committee, right? It's a group of people who are trying to solve a problem. They'll get nothing done, but that's <laughs> yeah. that's how it. Yeah. Modern government. What is wrong? Yeah, with you? exactly. I guess while we're talking about the Korra stuff, is it bothering anybody how there seems to be less rules about bending after a season where like it's. Devinder keeps bringing up tabletop RPGs where it's like, you could see how these things progress. Mm-hmm. And then now it's like we get this speech from flashback Sokka. It's like, I've seen crazy things and sometimes they're just inexplicable bending. And I'm like, <laughs> no, Sokka, don't say that. Well, no, it's, it wasn't inexplicable, but what, what did Toph do, right? We saw how she learned metal bending, just like from her earthbending skills and trying to figure it out. Like, it makes sense that with the progression of technology and society that the understanding of bending will change too. Like yeah, that's, it's, it's it evolution for me. Yeah, evolution, you know, progress in many ways. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's interesting to me because like you have these things in the series that are developing very logically. I like how in the flashback, the initial metal benders kept their metal things in like pouches on their belts, not on their back. <laughs> So yeah. it's like we've already in one generation gone through like a series of Republic City like yeah. evolution. Too many people stabbing themselves in the groin with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a good point. That's probably exactly what happened. <laughs> but it, it just seems it, the, I want I want answers and you know what you know what we're not at the end of the series. Maybe this yeah, is a exactly. nitpick that I can save up. They, like they're posing okay. questions. They're not they're not pissing exactly. me off. That's, I, that's I feel like you're afraid of this turning into a loss situation, uh, Dave. But, like, any story, right? You are allowed to present questions if uh, you've proven especially that you can answer them later. And this series and what they've done from the original Airbender series shows that they're they're interested in doing that. And honestly, isn't it interesting when the world doesn't work the way we think it does? Like, that's that's the whole point of this story. I totally agree. And I don't think I need fulfillment necessarily with, you know explanations for how all these things are yeah. possible for well, me it's very much right the blood bending at any time there there will be a definite reason for that happening i guess at some point but you don't think that it's about evolution it's about the the they're like mutants i think we've talked about yeah. x-men before it's just like some people are able to are, are going to be born and have possess abilities bending abilities that are above the rest mm-hmm. because they're just the change in evolution there as, yeah. as, and that's the best part about Korra because 70 years later, so much has changed, including bending, including organic things that just would change over time. And, and mm-hmm. that's scary, you know, cause you don't know how to deal with those sort of people. And that's one of the biggest issues in the show. Yeah, um, I mean, I guess we were talking about earlier how it's nice to have two bad guys that are capable of doing things that are technically not supposed to be able to be done and we yeah. get to see yeah. them face off against each other yeah my whole uh t- tarlock amon theory is uh <laughs> i was i was way off on that one but i have a new crazy theory for later mm-hmm. um but yeah well, i was I happy to see them face off thinking of so that'll that'll come later um, i mean it should later be now well or dave or i wanted to yeah, s- sure. before we get too much into that i wanted you to comment on the flashbacks which you you were getting into why you didn't think there was that much there in them or maybe that the reveal wasn't as fulfilling as you had hoped um i mean the more i think about it the more i think that 
the interesting thing is about having Korra not have a conversation with somebody in the spirit world uh, about what, like, a direct message is she would stop meditating and essentially say what she thought it meant to us and then continue <laughs> meditating, which is fine if we trust what Korra is or if that's just a way to divert our attention. So it's like, yeah, maybe what she was supposed to get was that Tarlock was Yakon's son, but it seems like she also is supposed to get that, you know, you could avatar your state out of bloodbending somehow, uh, and that might relate to, you know, something about what we see Amon do, or that, uh, you know, there's this, um, you know, series of uh, attacks, and uh, Yukon said he was going to come back to Republic City, and it's like, is that the important thing? So the interesting thing about having Korra tell you about what's important is it allows what Korra says to be important, but I think there might be more in the flashback. Mm. It's just, I I would hope there's more because I would like it to unfold and show some more depth because it felt kind of weird to me, like, okay, before we have this final battle, guys, you need to know this exposition now, so here we go. Mm-hmm. We're going right. to show it to you all in a... Because she's been battle. seeing these flashbacks since her encounter with Amon, not Tarlock, the discovery that Tarlock might be evil or something. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's going to play into the greater thing. I, th- I mean, I think that you're trying to tell... What are you trying to tell me, Aang? Are you telling me Tarlock, Sikon's son? And it's like, she's saying that. Aang did not say that. We <laughs> don't know if that's the purpose of the flashback yeah. in general. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, that's a little a way too to direct up. and blunt, right? In terms of if that was the only reveal from the flashback. Right. Yeah. And I mean... I, I'm also, I'm not one of those people that's like, where's Katara? She was with the kids. I don't think that's important. But I do think something else that we saw was important. I just don't know what it is. I, um, I, I, I have a theory on that. But before I get there, I just wanted to say that I really liked seeing the old gang back together. Just for like one more time as grown-ups with talk, you guys zinging. Were, uh, yeah. Ang. Were you guys okay with the re-voice casting? Yeah, I thought it was really, especially mm-hmm. Sokka. I thought, like, the Sokka-isms were still there, like, the wacky kind of phrasing and the way he talks. Uh, I just thought it was very consistent, and yeah. obviously that is going to be a fan obsession, and as a fan, I was obsessed <laughs> with them getting it right, and I think it was pretty on point. I, I was on board with everybody except New Toph. I'm not sure I was 100% on that no. voice, yeah. but that's but fine. She, she sounded really young in the original series, too, so it's kind of tough to... Yeah, I mean, I see. I definitely see why they do it, and like, I guess the cutoff is Zuko's age, since we know Dante Bosco's back for another episode. So, uh-huh. um, but you know, maybe maybe we're all wrong, and Dante Bosco is coming in to play another character that isn't Zuko. Like, who knows? Young Zuko for no reason. No, I have no idea. <laughs> for no um, reason. <laughs> now, I, I here is my crazy theory that I've been alluding to that I got some. Uh, it was solidified a little more by the flashbacks and even more so by the Tarlock Amon encounter. So, because of my wacky theory about Amon and Tarlock being the same person being thrown out the window now, I have a new crazy theory, and it is that, um, you know, we've been trying to figure out how does Amon have these powers. And I talked before about how I think that there might be, um, you know, he might have similar avatar powers bestowed upon him. And now I'm going to say flat out. I wonder if there is an evil avatar. I wonder if there is a new line of avatar um, that lives alongside positive, bright, smiley avatar Korra. And, you know, I I was trying to do some research and figure out, like, how was the avatar line born? 
Uh, and I'm not positive of that. I don't know when it exactly started. We just know that it's been happening for a very long time, and they've been always peacekeepers and that sort of thing. But you think... I mean, it must be bestowed upon them by the spirit world in some capacity. And now I'm wondering if that is what Amon is, if he is the first, like, evil avatar. And I was solidified in that way by the flashbacks because we see Avatar fight bloodbending with his avatar state. He flashes yeah, yeah. into avatar state. It's not a big production or anything. He, it just happens, um, which is why I don't think I needed to see, like, Amon's eyes light up or something crazy like that. Mm-hmm. He's just able to kind of slip into it and... Trump Yakon's bloodbending, um, and then take away his bending oh, powers. Oh yeah, because he he was able to like bypass it somehow. I that mean, is... but we we also saw Katara do that uh, in the original bloodbending episode. Yeah, so you can yeah. you could fight it if you're also a bloodbender. Just throwing that out there. I'm not saying yeah. evil avatar is wrong. But I like, like the the, the, evil the ability to take away bending aspect, I think is important yeah. too. Like, how do both of those abilities fit into one thing? And it leads back to being the avatar. And, you know, if I don't know what's going on in the spirit world that uh-huh. this would emerge, but it seems like in a yin-yang kind of world that there would be an evil avatar. That, I, I, I could see that. Um, to me, it just seems like it, it's like a really easy way to set up a, an antagonist to the to the real avatar. What I've been thinking um, is that it, it is kind of interesting that, you know, Amon is going around uh, stealing these powers. We don't know where they're going. We just assume, like, the bending is being taken away. Hmm. But what if, like, he had one of those mutated abilities to, like, collect the bending powers? He's and, rogue. Like, yeah, yeah. He's oh my rogue, God. basically. And then he's collecting them. He's basically turning himself into the Avatar by taking all of these different bending abilities. Like, oh, I'm just going to learn metal bending now. Thanks, guys. And uh, <laughs> he doesn't have to deal with the training. And we haven't seen him bend or anything. But I think the fact that he is um, making a point of taking the bending of some of the strongest people in this world... Uh, kind of sets up that he's there. There's something going on there. Like he's yeah. going to use this for something. You know, they, it can't be for nothing. What um, what specialized form are we missing? Because he took lightning bolt Zolt, which obviously has lightning bending. He has uh-huh. all the metal benders powers, and now he has Tarlock's blood bending. Yeah. In Is your, blue in fire your or lightning bending? Tano. Ooh, uh, what, did Tano have blue fire? I don't hmm. know. I mean, Tano might have been just the most public thing he needed to do that might not have been right yeah as directed but like i, I like i like that theory of collecting the bending for and some reason uh, for some reason davindra i think of the movie the one yeah it's Jet the one, Li's the one the, where he's I like killing himself stronger in this universe yeah. <laughs> which is an awesome film by the way um awesomely stupid movie but yeah it has some good action pieces but yeah I, i've just been thinking about this looking at it in like with x-men logic and with yeah. what we've been seeing, like, that makes a lot of sense. Like, what if somebody, like, there was this bender who always wanted to be the Avatar. They could never be the Avatar, but they had the ability to take bending away from other people. That's really all the Avatar is, right? Hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, I have an interesting theory about wanting to be the Avatar, but I'm going to do that via our fan email. This is from Abdullah S. He says, first of all, I wanted to say I love your podcast. Thank you, Abdullah. They're awesome, and I love your guys' insights. After watching this episode, a thought occurred to me about who Amon is. Do you think Amon is Yakon and is now trying to take back control of Republic City via the Equalist Uprising? And since he was a bloodbender before, he knows how to withstand Tarlock doing it on him. Um, uh, That's the end of the email. This begins the weird part of my theory. I think that Yakon's a little too old for that, but... yeah. Imagine a vengeful old Yakone, you know, teaching this skill to his, like, son, 
and then dying in, you know, poor agony, never having, you know, taken Republic City back. And, you know, someone in the spirit world is like, I need my own avatar. Literally the word avatar I'm using at this point in the real world. And I'm going to take your face and make you my instruments of, like, balance. Make you an evil mm-hmm. avatar, essentially. But, I mean, I like the idea that Yakone, if it is Yakone, he had to pass through the spirit world. I don't think it's just, like, one-to-one Yakone's been wandering around and he puts a mask on and his son doesn't recognize him. I think that would be weird. Anyway. I agree. I don't think Yakone can be Amon for the age reason, for the... I feel like if you have Amon and Tarlock encounter each other and it ends yeah. up being Yakone, there's, there's like, a missed opportunity there, or it would just be weird if they didn't have a an exchange because it's been revealed that Tarlock is Yakone's son. Yeah, it's I have a not very interesting, yeah. I'd say. Like, that's the biggest problem. Like, I, I feel like they're setting up Amon to be maybe some sort of interesting reveal or a character with an interesting background. Just being Yakone, eh, I don't know. Yeah, what, uh, my question to you guys is would be what what level of background would not knowing who Amon is at the end of this season feel okay for you? Like, is it like, I'm from the spirit world, bump, bump, bump. Is that enough for you, or is that a cop-out? Does he need to take his mask off? I, I don't think we need to see the reveal this season. I want to see more information about, like, what his ultimate goal is and what, what is his game plan. Yeah, you know, we don't need person? to reveal who he is. We yeah. need to reveal what he's up to, exactly. I think. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I mean, we know that uh, I've been doing some rewatching of the original series and in the, uh, you know, Siege of the Northern... Uh, temple when Aang goes in the spirit world and talks to Ko, we know that you know spirits can take physical form and some have hundreds and hundreds of years ago so I think if I had to think about it, Amon could just be a you know, right. manifestation from the spirit world and I would never need to know who he, he was. He decided not just... to come back as a giant angry bear creature and uh, came back as a human. Yeah, like, you know just so he could blend in and get deep into Republic City. <laughs> you know what, I just thought about this and I don't necessarily have an answer and no one may, but um, you know there was a lot of speculation that Yakone was going to be this firebender who just happened to kill like lots of important characters' families and that, that that's mm-hmm. not true because um, he's a waterbender who can bloodbend um, so now I'm wondering how that might come back into it too, who that mystery individual would be if that's even important or if that's just common linking between characters do you guys did did either of you guys happen to pick up the promise part two <laughs> no i need to get to the comic book store my, yeah, my, they're all sold out and if everywhere in new york that i've been to has been sold out <laughs> but they're all getting a new shipment on monday but i'm really interested now in where that leaves uh zuko and the firebenders uh, because the promise part one cliffhanger was like Zuko and Aang were going to come to some sort of you know blows about where the Fire Nation is allowed to stay in the Earth Kingdom, and it seems like that could lead into you know who is killing all these parents. Hmm. I hope it's I hope it has nothing to do with Zuko. I, I can't mean, imagine it would. That's not this show's style. The show is not about fan servicing in that kind of interwoven connect capacity i don't think well i mean it hasn't been yet but that's because we haven't seen the season finale the one continuing series yet for all we know it has been like i don't, I don't know if we know what the theme of the first the, it's like definitely knowing yourself and you know it's supposed to be air so it's kind of supposed to be you know like getting in touch with your spiritual side or what have you that's the theme of the season and I, I don't think we know what the, the grander the grander theme is yet. Maybe it is. Maybe it has something to do with generations. I think I could still be part of it. Seems pretty reasonable. 
Guys, is there anything else in this episode that uh, that blew you away? Where was Pabu? I thought the exact same thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, but we got some great Naga, Naga stuff here. Yes. Finally, you, know, you kind of have to trade between Pabu and Naga. I, I, I want I Pabu's last uh, Pabu's lost days to be an extra on this DVD set. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Well, I think that about wraps things up. There is an episode next week, I believe, correct? Yes, it is called Turning the Tides on June 16th at 11 a.m., and then we close the season, the entire season out on the 23rd, which is the week of the spring solstice. Monkey oh feathers, guys, uh, with skeletons in the closet, or skeleton in the closet. There will be skeletons in closets, and uh, the other episode is titled Endgame. Seems fitting. Um, well, I think that about wraps things up. Thanks for everyone for listening. Uh, you know where to check us out, republiccitydispatch.com. Subscribe on iTunes. Leave a nice message, rating, review there, uh, Republic City Dispatch. And we're on Twitter, RC Dispatch. And why don't we uh, s- sign out here? Davindra? Sure. You guys can find me on Twitter at twitter.com slash Devendra. I podcast about movies and TV at slashfilm.com. And I write about technology at venturebeat.com. Everything else I do is at devendra.org. Dave? Hey, it's me, Dave with the 7. You can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash DA7E. Uh, you see me writing mostly about Marvel movies and Iron Man 3 <laughs> at latino-review.com. And every week talking about movies and pop culture at opkino.com with Mr. Patches on Operation Kino. Aww. Prometheus this week, guys. It was a, it was a, it was a doozy, much like core doozy. episodes. Uh, and I'm Matt Patches. Like Dave said, we do another podcast, Operation Kino, which is you can find on iTunes. Uh, I'm the movies editor of Hollywood.com, so you can find all my writing there. You can follow me on Tumblr, mattpatches.com, and on Twitter at Mr. M-I-S-T-E-R Patches. And that's this week's episode. We will see you next week. Woo! 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 Woo!